Speech Pathology Australia acknowledged the traditional custodians of the lands, seas and waters throughout Australia and pay respect to Elders past, present and future. We recognise that the health and social and emotional well-being of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples are grounded in continued connection to culture, country, language and community and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded. Hello and welcome to Speak Up, Speech Pathology Australia's podcast. Each week we showcase a conversation with inspiring and influential people who are advancing practice in one of the many and varied areas of speech pathology. Let's hear from this week's contributors. Hi everyone, it's Annika. Thanks for tuning in to this week's Speak Up Conversation. Speech Pathology Australia has a board consisting of seven directors. Our board is responsible for the strategic development, implementation and evaluation of Speech Pathology Australia's procedures and policies. You may be aware that the fantastic Tim Kittle is the president and chair of the board of directors. But do you know who else is on the board? I'll be honest in saying I didn't until today, that is. Today, I'm really pleased to be meeting and chatting to Lucy Sutherland, who was elected onto the Board of Directors in 2021. Lucy is a speech pathologist who has worked in both Sydney and Melbourne in early childhood intervention, private practice, universities and mainstream and special school settings across her career. She is passionate about interdisciplinary collaboration and widely promoting our wonderful profession. Currently, she is therapy team leader and a member of the leadership team at a school for students with a disability in Melbourne's North. Hello and welcome, Lucy. Hi, Annika. Thanks for having me. Firstly, thank you so much for your work on the board and your amazing commitment to our profession. It's very much appreciated. Can I start by asking you to tell us a bit about yourself and your speech pathology journey? Sure. So um, I graduated quite a few years now um, from the University of Sydney. And uh, I guess I sort of started in speech pathology a little bit by accident, to be honest. Um, I was interested in science and people and was sort of thinking about doing medicine and, and ended up kind of ending up doing speech pathology. And my final placement was in a disability uh, service an early intervention service and I absolutely fell in love with it um, and have sort of stayed in the kind of disability education early intervention space um, really for the rest of my career to this point um, worked in a couple of different states and currently sort of managing a whole team of therapists and I think that's one of the things that I really like about speech pathology um, and working in disability and education is you get to work with lots of other disciplines and teachers and parents and OTs. So that's a, a little bit about me that you haven't, uh, if you haven't already covered in the intro. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, it is a dynamic job, isn't it? Um, yeah. Managing a team of so many different professionals that within a school it's it's busy and it's dynamic and it moves a lot and every day is different. So it it's, yes, it's never a boring day. Never a boring day, exactly. <laughs> now, I'm wondering if you could maybe tell us what the Speech Pathology Australia Board actually is and specifically what you do. Yeah, good question. <laughs> um, I think... For a lot of people, when we think about boards, it's not actually really very clear what they do. And I think um, one of the distinctions that's been 
really helpful for me coming onto the board is a really the big difference between sort of management and what a board of directors would do and making that distinction really clear. We're not part of spa staff. So mm-hmm. we're not involved in the everyday operations, but we are overseeing things. So we want to make sure that the association is legally meeting its obligations, that financially it's meeting its obligations, and that it's also progressing the profession forward um, and supporting its members. So it's it's I guess it's hard to describe without um just talking about those like, oh, it's strategic. It is strategic, mm-hmm. but it's mm-hmm. also looking very much at sort of things that might be impacting on members or impacting on the profession, um, the impact of different funding bodies. So it's really big, I guess, mm-hmm. in terms of yeah. the scope yeah, and quite sort of like far reaching. So, we, you know, we do look at the finances and that's a, a really important part of the Board, been on the board of directors is making sure that the association is able to meet its financial obligations and continue running as an organization. But there's sort of a few, I guess, areas that you kind of look at in the board in terms of governance and, and finance and kind of overseeing that as a whole. So that, I mean, I really love that broad description. I'm wondering if I can narrow you down a little bit and could maybe mm. tell us some of the things that the board's been governing on recently, for instance. Yeah, sure. So some of the things that we have been looking at recently um, is we are currently underway with the 2023 to 2025 strategic plan. So there's been a lot of work around that and making sure that as a board that we're really kind of helping to set the tone for what we want that uh, strategic plan to look like for the association, as well as lots of input from staff and from the members, of course. Mm, That's Um, been this year, hasn't it? The people here, I think that that process has all happened across this year, but you're getting to the pointy end now, I believe. We're we're almost there. Almost? At the the very pointy end of the strategic plan now, but I think that's a really exciting um, part of being on the board has been able to kind of look at that really big picture aspect of it and what, what we want the association to, to be able to achieve in the next few years and how we might be able to do that. Some of the other things that we govern on are around obviously finance um, and making sure that the association is able to kind of meet its financial obligations. The policies and procedures, um, there's a lot of been around, particularly recently around advocacy in different spaces. So there's a lot around NDIS and aged care. And while the board isn't doing the specific advocacy, there's there's very experienced staff at SPA who are doing that. It's um, been aware of those things that might potentially be challenges that we have to be aware of or opportunities that we can kind of tap into to really support our members in advocating for the services under those kind of funding bodies. Um, One of the other things that I've been involved in personally, but the board also kind of is a part of, um, is looking at the professional standards uh, area. Um, I'm on the professional standards advisory committee as the sort of board rep. And that committee does really a huge amount of work in terms of looking at maintaining the standards of speech pathologists, accrediting universities, Mm -hmm. and also supporting members to meet and be really, you know, improve their professional standards, really. Um, so I, there's a lot of things that the board does. That's probably only just a few of them. Yeah, no, it's a great snapshot, though. Really great snapshot. So just in terms of nuts and bolts, how often mm. do you guys actually meet, Lucy? Yeah, so as a board, we meet four times a year. 
um, and that's usually for a day and a half. So Friday afternoon and all day Saturday. Uh, so they're big days, but they're they're really fun and interesting days. As part of subcommittees, those subcommittees also meet separate four times a year. So that's kind of, you know, maybe for an hour or two mm-hmm. um, every quarter to talk about specific finance or governance areas as well. And then every now and then there's a few ad hoc meetings that pop up for various things. Um, but really the main time commitment is those four big board meetings a year um, and a little bit of preparation for those board meetings, which takes a bit of reading time. And my understanding is that we have directors um, from all different parts of Australia. Do you meet in person or, or are you meeting online? We are meeting in person. Ooh, uh, we did have exciting. a few, <laughs> very exciting. <laughs> over, over last year, we did have a few online meetings, um, but the, the really great conversations that you have in person with someone are different to some of the online ones. So it's been, it's been great to be able to meet mainly in person. Um, one of our directors, so the Northern Territory director, Erin Coonan, um, lives abroad currently. So she does dial in, but everyone else oh, is in the meeting in. room together. Yeah. Fantastic. Which is great. So could you tell us then who is actually on the board? And and I know you've just mentioned there um, a member from uh, the Northern Territory. Is there, um, is it set up in a way where board members are deliberately coming from different states? Is that how it's structured? Yeah, definitely. We want we want a cross-section of people on the board from all sorts of backgrounds, including geographic backgrounds. Um, so we on on the board that you can't have more than two directors from any one state or territory. So I am from Victoria, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm one of the two Victorian directors. So um there can't at this stage be any more Victorian directors and we'd wait for the, the nominations for that. So we have two Victorian directors, myself and the vice president of governance, which is Catherine McKinley. Mm-hmm. Uh, from South Australia, we have the delightful Tim, who is mm-hmm. the current president. From Queensland, we have Alison and Eddie and Alison is the vice president of finance. Um, and we also have... Uh, Catherine Fordyce, who is from Tasmania. We also have an external director, Inma Beaumont, who joins us from Queensland as well. So it's really nice having some representation from bigger states, but also some of the the smaller states and territories as well to really get that impact because it has a really different flavour in terms of the Mm -hmm. sorts of things that come up for different states and territories and it's not just about metro. Absolutely. So could I ask a personal question, if I may? Of course. Why did you decide to get involved? Yeah, uh, I think one of the main reasons I decided to be involved in the board is that I'd had a bit of kind of professional experience already in strategic planning and um, governance and wanting to really promote the profession. And it, um, I spoke to a few people who were on the board when the nominations came out and thought that um, it might be one, a really interesting thing to do, and it has proved to be really interesting. Intellectually, it's really interesting. There's a lot of fascinating conversation um, and discussion, but also wanting to kind of be able to give back to the organisation as well because it's obviously given us a lot and as a profession I wanted to be able to give back to it. But certainly the, the strategic element and the kind of big picture 
uh, aspect of it I found really interesting. That was definitely one of the things that kind of attracted me to the board. I'm not quite sure I knew what I was getting in for when I first <laughs> applied, but uh, I've loved it nonetheless. Oh, that's good. Now you are a busy clinician though in your normal life. How do you fit it in? Yeah, uh, I mean, I think with anything, you kind of make time for the things that are important to you. Um, there is a bit of, you know, weekend reading of board papers and things like that. I've got a really supportive workplace, so I, I can attend the meetings on Fridays and that's not a problem. Um, and really, I think it's just with everyone who has a busy life, it's trying to prioritize and juggle the things that that work. Um, but I also find it really interesting. So I think it's mm. it's easy to find a couple of hours one night to read some board papers, for example, if you find it really stimulating. It doesn't feel like a chore. Um, I feel really lucky to be able to be part of it. So yeah, for me, it it is a juggle, but you know, everybody's juggling stuff. So I think it's just a different thing to juggle. (laughs) It feels like a big thing to juggle, but (laughs) maybe once you're kind of got on the roll with it, it's not quite so big. From the outside, it seems like a big juggle. (laughs) Now I know you've already touched on a few of the benefits, but what, what sort of benefits have you found sort of professionally and personally from your time on the board? Yeah. Um, I think one of the big things that I've gotten out of it is the opportunity to be able to really discuss ideas with people from different places, from different backgrounds, and really go into those discussions and really have really robust conversations around different topics. Um, You know, often in our professional kind of work, we end up working with people who are similar in in what we think or what we understand about the profession. And it's really nice to have really varied um, feedback from different people and been part of those conversations. I've, you know, personally and professionally, I've really enjoyed that. Um, Certainly I've, I always and have always loved the opportunity to work um, with different people and people from different backgrounds, um, with different knowledge, with different perspectives. And I think that really the the best ideas come by having lots of people from different perspectives come together. So I've really enjoyed that. Um, And certainly I've developed some, lots of skills. Um, You know, the first couple of board meetings were pretty overwhelming for a new director, but um, you're really well supported with opportunities to do professional development in areas around sort of board governance and structure. Um, And as well as, you know, as speeches, not many of us are necessarily great at financial management or, or feel that that's an area that we know a lot about. Yeah. Um, and I've really been able to develop my skills and understanding in that area as well. So, you know, that's professionally and personally mm-hmm. <laughs> um, been a, a nice, um, I guess, benefit of being on the board. But it, I think for me, really, it's the, the intellectual challenge and the discussion that I found mm-hmm. um, the most you know, the most exciting aspect of it. It's really, I come away really quite energized after board meetings, even though they're long, they're they're really energizing. Mm, It sounds like it's brought a lot of positives, both professionally and personally, which is fantastic. So in saying that, would you recommend speech pathologists put their hand up to be part of the board? Absolutely. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, I mean, I think it is a big commitment Um, but it's one that, you know, you really can feel as though you're making a really meaningful contribution to the profession. And I think that 
you know, we are quite a big profession now. We've got over 13 and a half thousand members, which is huge. Um, and it's a really, you know, sought after service, um, in lots of different areas. And I think, um, been able to be on the board and to be able to contribute back to the profession, um, and help advocate for the needs of our clients and consumers and, um, services, I think, you know, is a really valuable aspect of being able to be on the board. So certainly I would absolutely recommend it. It is really interesting. It is really challenging. Um, but it's also, you get a lot out of it. Like we said, you know, both personally and professionally, there's a lot to take away from being on the board, but also, you know, I think it's, it's very much to, for me about being able to give back to the profession, um, and participate in the, the longevity really of the profession and, and making people see, um, I guess, helping people see the, uh, importance of speeches in a whole range of different areas. It's also just having a bit of a legacy, isn't it? Over, you know what I mean? Like having yeah. a legacy over this profession that's given you so much, but something, as I said, as you've said, that you can give back to and, and have a real important impact on, which is pretty, you know, kind of cool, really. Yeah, it is. It's, yeah, if, I feel very lucky to be able to be a part of the board and to, um, you know, even be a small part of the legacy that is the board of directors in various years. So, yeah, it's a real privilege. Can I ask a really stupid question? Go ahead. Is this a voluntary role? <laughs> it is a voluntary role, yes. Um, so your your costs are kind of covered. So because we meet in Melbourne, um, I live in Melbourne and I don't need to fly, mm-hmm. but the other directors from other states and territories do fly in and all of those costs are covered. But otherwise, yes, it's voluntary. Mm-hmm. Cool. Now, I understand that we have some board elections coming up in 20 or in early 2023. So I'm wondering if you can tell us all a little bit about that. When when are the elections and, and um, you know, what's the process? Yeah. Um, so we do indeed. So what we do with the board uh, election is that the term is for two years. So every year there can be a turnover of about 50%. So everyone who is on the board who is due for renomination or due for their term to end um, can either renominate or can elect to stand down. And then nominations open for everyone, including us who may choose to re-elect. So there will be four positions that will become available um, on the board and those uh, commence from the AGM in 2023 for a period of two years. In order to nominate, there is conveniently uh, there will be an email sent out soon that's got the director nomination information package in it for people who are interested in considering to be on the board with lots of information in it about how to apply. Um, so some of the things are that you do a video about a little bit about who you are and what um, you'd like to bring to the board. Um, you submit your CV Um, and some key selection criteria. So there is definitely an application process, but after that point, once the committee kind of determines that you are eligible, then it goes out to the voting membership. So then um, they are voted on to the board Mm. from there. And even if you're not like nominating for the board, it is really important to take notice about that, I think, as a Speech Pathology Australia member um, because we do have the opportunity to vote and I know in earlier in my career I would see the nominations come out and maybe give it a little glance and think oh I 
I don't know and probably not put a vote in, but it is actually really important for us as members to put a vote in, isn't it? Yeah, it is really important. And I think um, one of the nice things about the approach for nominations is that videos go up. So you can, even if you don't want to read all of the information, you can look at people's videos and really get an essence of who they are and what they might bring to the board. And, and voting is really important. So I would definitely encourage you, even if you don't nominate, to click on the email when the uh, director mm. voting comes around. Yeah. So when you say the AGM, am I right in thinking the AGMs during the conference? Is that right? That is right. Yes. Right. Okay. So there'll be a whole lead up process up to May um, when it sort of hits the. When it's announced. Yeah. When it's announced. Sort of, yes, yeah. That's announced in, in May at the AGM. That's yeah, right. Beautiful. Now you have mentioned then that members can expect an email to come out, I'm assuming early next year. Um, is there anywhere else people could go for information? Is there somewhere on our website or anywhere else that people could go for some you know, information if they're interested? Yeah, so on the website there is the page about the Board of Directors that gives a little bit of information about what the board does and who's currently on the board. Mm -hmm. um, and certainly you can always contact Bar um, around a little, getting a little bit more information around that. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much. You know what? We are a pretty cool profession and we're doing pretty well, I would say. And I think so that, too. I think so. You know, we're in a good place. <laughs> um, and we're growing in membership and, and we're kicking goals right now. And, and a massive thank you to you, Lucy, and also the other directors on the board at the moment um, for all that work you put in, because without that happening behind the scenes, we wouldn't be where we are today. So massive, massive thank you from, from all of us to all of you. Thank you very much. <laughs> and a big shout out to the CEO, Gail, as well, who her and the team do a huge amount of work. And, you know, we really thank, thank her and the team for that. Absolutely. And thank you as always for listening and tuning into our podcast. Be sure to tune in again next Wednesday. It is a crazy busy time of year, but we are almost there. So hang in and have a super week ahead and we will be back next week. Thank you, Lucy. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this week's conversation. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast where all good podcasts are found and make sure you share it with your colleagues. You can also visit us at speechpathologyaustralia.org.au. Thanks for tuning in and bye for now.